Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Everybody slowly getting back into rhythm. I think when kids are back in school, it'll be all, all that, all the same. Uh, for uh, for people streaming the show, we've had some weather here. People have been dealing with some stuff. Power outages, frozen roadways. You know what they're not dealing with frozen roadways? Southern California. Daniel Popper covers the Chargers for The Athletic. He's joining us now. Daniel, how are you, man? Set the scene for us in Southern California. I'm doing great. It is a little bit overcast here. The sun is not out, so we're dealing with a truly terrible weather day here by LA standards. I um, hate you. I wonder how that com- I wonder how that compares to where yeah. you're at in Portland right now. I'll text you a picture of my driveway later, but uh, let, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about this vacancy. Um, I have not seen teams openly advertise who they're interviewing, and Chargers tweeting out David Shaw in for inter- interview, Jim Harbaugh, Mike Vrabel. Um, why so public with it? What What's the advantage in that? Yeah, I think from the Chargers' perspective, they, they really love being transparent with their fan base. I think they're in a, a sort of a unique position, you know, moving to L.A. and really having to make inroads in the market. And so they've taken a relatively unique approach as far as how they want to connect with their fan base. You know, they've had their own, you know, documentary program that they produced in-house that's had a lot of inside looks into meeting rooms and that sort of thing. And so I think from a brand management, from a PR standpoint, like they feel like being as transparent as possible with their fan base is going to, you know, help them ingratiate themselves as they try and make inroads in the new market. And I think that's what it what it sort of comes down to. The the interview of David Shaw, Chargers serious about Shaw, or are they trying to uh, leverage Jim Harbaugh? How do you uh, how do you see Shaw's involvement? Yeah, you know, I think that the Chargers from day one of this search have been really open about the fact that they want to cast a wide net. Those were the exact words from President of Football Operations, John Spanos. And they just announced the Vrabel interview. You know, right now they're at 11 interviews done. Um, They have four more requests out reportedly. So by the end of this thing, they could be, you know, at 15 head coaching interviews. And so I think they're really trying to, you know, gather as much information as possible. Like they're really trying to reimagine from the ground up like what the structure looks like after going through 11 seasons with the same general manager, the same structure. And so I think they're just trying to bring in people that they think are smart, that have had success, um, and trying to figure out, you know, who the best candidate is, what are the best ideas, how do you build a culture, what are the important things, all that stuff. And obviously David Shaw did a fantastic job of that in Stanford. Now I think there are obviously some ulterior motives here. Um, you know, like the Rooney rule is a thing, right? And so you do have to do two in-person interviews with minority candidates before you can make any hire. And as it stands right now, you know, they can't interview any team, any candidates that are employed by a team until after the divisional round, which is Monday at the earliest. And so in order to be Rooney Rule compliant before Monday, they have to find minority candidates that aren't currently employed by NFL teams. I think that's a factor. And then additionally, you're talking about a guy in David Shaw that's obviously very close with Harbaugh, worked under him, coached under him at Stanford before he took over the head coaching job. And I think that obviously is a factor too. Like the one thing I will say is like interviews in the NFL are not always about, you know, this is a candidate that we're considering hiring. A lot of it can be information gathering. And if there is an interview that comes up that you're like, why would they interview that guy? Well, 
you know, a lot of the times teams will interview coaches from teams that they're playing in the future, in the next season, for example, and try and mine for information. So it is partly looking for your candidate, but part of it too is trying to mine for information, whether that's for future seasons or for, in the Chargers case, more trying to figure out how to build their structure and the best way to move forward. Jim Harbaugh is probably going to want control. How is the Spanos family on that front as far as are they yeah. ready to relinquish some control of the roster and hand the thing, hand the operation over to a coach, or will they want to still keep uh, some oversight? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think the Chargers are reticent to give a head coach that kind of personnel power. Like, I think that they look at somebody like Bill Belichick, for example, who was head coach and de facto GM throughout his time in New England, and I think they feel like that's probably a little bit too much responsibility. Um, but they are open to different structures, right? Like I think, like I said, Tom Telesco, their former GM, was there for 11 seasons. He was a Bill Polian guy, and he ran the organization like Bill Polian did, you know, an iron fist. Everything flowed through the GM. It was a very GM-centric approach to building the team. I think they look at it and say, you know, look at the Lions, for example, what they've been able to do, bringing in Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell in simultaneously, building it collaboratively, I think they would love a scenario like that, but obviously Jim Harbaugh with where he's at coming off a national championship with a big extension on the table from Michigan, they're going to have to sweeten the pot a little bit. And I think that they might have to in the end relent as far as personnel control. And then the interesting thing is like, okay, if you do give personnel control to the head coach, what are you going to do at GM? Because it does limit your options there. Like there are obviously a lot of great candidates out there, but all of the great candidates are going to want a job where they come in and they can act as GM and have control over the roster. Um, and so there's a lot of factors at play. So, you know, I think they're reticent to do it, but ultimately if they think Jim Harbaugh is the guy and if they think that this guy is going to be able to win them ball games and help them make inroads in the market and get the most out of Justin Herbert, then maybe that's a conception that they have to make and they can figure out the structure from there. Does David Shaw's lack of head coaching experience in the NFL – does that work against him, or nowadays do they say, hey, if you can do it at the college level, you can probably do it in the NFL? He's been in the NFL, but you know, how does that factor? Yeah, I think it's an interesting question. I guess like from an ownership standpoint, it's about what you're looking for, and I think in the Chargers' case specifically, like they feel like a lot of what they need is discipline, is accountability, is culture building, and is a proven track record of being able to build teams and build cultures and win. Um, and I don't necessarily think that it's important about what level you do it at. Obviously, there will be a little bit of an unknown there since he hasn't you know, been a head coach at the NFL level, but he's obviously has a proven track record of being able to build um, you know, legitimate, successful culture through those types of ideals like discipline, discipline and accountability. And I think that's probably what that interview has been centered around. And frankly, I think that's what a lot of their interviews have been centered around. Like, what does discipline mean to you? What does accountability mean to you? And how do you, you know, execute that as the you know, head of an organization, as a head coach? We're talking to Daniel Popper. He covers the Chargers for the Athletic Los Angeles Chargers, uh, tweeting just four hours ago that uh, they have interviewed David Shaw, uh, former Stanford coach, for their job. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, um, fan base, does that move the needle for Chargers fans? Does that proof of performance, national championship, success with the Niners, would that be a, a deviation in, in the minds of Chargers, Chargers fans in a positive way? Yeah, 100%. I think that's going to be part of the calculus if and when they do hire Jim Harbaugh. 
like at this point they're five years into this move right and i think the organization sort of looked at this move to la with a broader view than most people they were like okay after 10 years we want to have a place in the market right and five years in they have not been able to successfully do that and a big part of it is they haven't been able to win and so by hiring Jim Harbaugh, you know, the, the fan base is all in on him. But I think by hiring him, you give yourself a good chance, not only because you have a prominent coach in there who's going to attract attention, but also a guy who's a proven winner. And, like, at this point, you know, even if it's short-lived, like, they need to win here in Justin Herbert's prime years, in the next four to five years. And Jim Harbaugh is likely going to be able to do that. He's probably the candidate that is going to give you the clearest path toward doing that. So I think you get two things with Jim Harbaugh. It moves the needle absolutely in the city. It moves the needle with the fan base in terms of excitement. And then I think it gives you a really good chance of putting a winning product on the field, which is really what's missing for the organization. They have everything else. They have the great uniforms. They have, you know, great branding. They have great digital media. They have great social media. They're at the forefront of all of that kind of stuff when it comes to professional sports. The last missing ingredient is winning ball games, And I think that's going to be, you know, the main focus of the team here. And I think that's probably why Jim Harbaugh is very attractive on top of what he'll do in terms of adding and injecting some juice into uh, attention to the team. Well, obviously a lot of our listeners uh, are familiar with Justin Herbert, see him as a selling point, want the best for him. From a head coaching perspective, do you have a sense of what kind of coach benefits Herbert the most? Yeah, I think they need to find some sort of stability in terms of system, in terms of scheme, and in terms of offensive approach. Like, that to me has to be a priority for the organization. And it should have been a priority the last time around when they hired Brandon Staley. And we asked, the beat did, and I did specifically to John Spanos, like, why, you know, is Brandon Staley a good hire for Justin Herbert? What's the plan offensively? And they talked about vertical alignment, how all of the, you know, special teams, defense, and offensive approaches will all flow through Brandon Staley. And that didn't happen. And what we're looking at now is Justin Herbert is very likely going to have his fourth offensive coordinator in five years in the league. And, like, that is just not how you build sustainable offense. It's not how you develop a young quarterback. And so that's another thing that's attractive about Jim Harbaugh. Obviously, he's not a play caller, but he's a guy that played in the league, played for the Chargers, an offensive guy who will be able to create that kind of stability for Justin Herbert in terms of um, scheme and system. And Justin said it himself after the season when we talked to him on Baggy Day, you know, He's obviously never going to say it outright, but we were speaking more generally about, like, what does stability do for a quarterback? And he talked about the one time he did have it in the NFL with Joe Lombardi and how much further ahead he felt in April when he, the team came back together and they weren't learning a new offense. They were building on what they already had. And I can guarantee you that that's something that Justin wants moving forward, and, and that should be, you know, what the Chargers are looking for in terms of how do we assess and, and conduct this coaching search to benefit Justin Herbert the most. Yeah, I keep I think back to his college. I mean, Daniel, think about it. I mean, he had he had Mark Elfrich, then he had Willie Taggart for a year, then he had Mario Cristobal. He had three head coaches in in three seasons, and you know his play callers. I think he had four different offensive coordinators in that time as well. And he's never had continuity, and he's succeeded to a certain extent in spite of it. And I and I keep thinking the Chargers' job is a good job because of Herbert. Am I reading that right? Wrong? I mean, when you compare it to the other openings. Yeah, I mean, it is the most attractive job right now because of Justin Herbert. Like, that's what, I, that's what I believe, and that's what I think a lot of people in the league believe. He's a dude. Like, he's a real guy. He is a quarterback that can lead you to a Super Bowl. He has that type of talent. But you look at the great quarterbacks around the league, and even through history, like, one thing that they've always had is that kind of continuity. 
And listen, like Justin Herbert is such a smart guy and has such high football IQ that he's able to do it. Like he can relearn a, a new offense every offseason and go out and perform. But are you getting the absolute most out of him? Are you maximizing his talents? And I would love to see a scenario where Justin Herbert is in year three, year four of the same system, and what he can be um, with all these bank experiences, not having to relearn all these new offenses. I think that's a, that's a, a reality that the Chargers would love to live in, and I think if they can make it happen, it'll be very beneficial for Justin Herbert. All right. Uh, decision time will eventually uh, happen there with the Chargers, but uh, Harbaugh already interviewed, Shaw interviewed. Um, you know, Obviously, the Chargers interviewing Vrabel today. Uh, mm-hmm. Looks like uh, he'll get a look today. But uh, when Leslie, Fr- Leslie Frazier, Bill's uh, former coordinator, interviewed already, but when is this supposed to happen? Yeah, I mean, up until the Vrabel stuff today, I was getting the sense that was that it was early next week. Um, but now that they're Rooney Rule compliant, you know, it could potentially happen over the weekend. But it's going to be in the near future. Um, I would say, you know, at the earliest sometimes this weekend, but definitely by – by early next week, I think they're gonna they're gonna make their decision and get this thing moving forward. Yeah, sometimes you get surprises. Like you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders did something squirrely. But this one feels like it's gonna be somebody everybody kind of nods and goes, "Of course it's Harbaugh," or "Of course they went with Shaw or Vrabel." Uh, who else is really in this in your mind besides those three? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think you start with guys that, you know, have some experience, right? So, like, a, a name I would throw out there that's interesting to me is Steve Wilkes, 49ers defensive coordinator. He had one season as the Arizona Cardinals head coach and also was the interim coach in Carolina after they fired Matt Rule. And you heard a lot of good things out of Carolina about his ability to lead, accountability, discipline, those types of things. Ben Johnson is a name I would throw out there. Um, Lions offensive coordinator, obviously everyone's seen what he's done with Jared Goff. Um, he put up 41 points in the Chargers in week 10 of this past season. He can't technically do an in-person interview until uh, Monday after this divisional round. Um, and obviously he's tied up with uh, the playoffs currently. Um, so that's another name I would throw out there. Um, and then Raheem Morris is also an interesting name. I don't know if they'll go back and do the Rams defensive coordinator thing again because they did it with Brandon Staley. I think optically that's a little bit tough. But Raheem Morris um, another guy with, with head coaching experience actually got the job when he was in his early 30s, and it's been a while since he's got another opportunity. But, you know, everyone with the Rams speaks very highly of him and his ability to lead. So I think it's sort of like a tiered thing. Like I think Jim Harbaugh, Mike Rabel, you know, that's what you're looking at. Ben Johnson probably your tier one. If you're in your tier two, you know, you're looking at guys with some experience, you know, Steve Wilkes um, and Raheem Morris. Um, Dan Quinn I'd probably throw in there as well. And then, you know, Ben Johnson obviously is an up-and-coming uh, coordinator candidate. What did the Chargers do in the first round of the draft? Number five pick overall. What are they going to do there? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I wrote about it actually for today. A lot of it depends on how many quarterbacks go in the top three. Like if Jaden Daniels gets into the top three, the Chargers are probably going to have a shot at one of these two game-breaking receivers between Marvin Harrison Jr. and Malik Neighbors. If only two quarterbacks go in the top three, four, and then you get the two receivers go at, at three and four, um, then you got Brock Bowers as an option. That's a little bit too high for a tight end for my liking. But I also think they could go tackle. Um, Joe Alt at another Dame is a name to consider there. So I would say receiver, if it falls right, maybe Bowers, and then, and then maybe a tackle to beef up the offensive line. Obviously, if they hire Jim Harbaugh, I think there's a, a better chance that they go offensive line considering the way that he likes to build his roster. Yeah, it's interesting because you're, you're talking all offense, and I think, you know, 
for me. I want to see Herbert be successful, so I like that you're talking all offense. So it does look like uh, they'll go that direction. Daniel Popper, you can find him on Twitter. Read him at The Athletic. Uh, good luck to you. Make sure you hydrate. I know a coaching search is not easy. Appreciate it, John. Thanks for having me. All right, there he goes. Sounds like uh, the Chargers probably want Jim Harbaugh. Maybe Mike Vrabel. But uh, it'd be interesting to see what they do in the draft, too. Brock Bowers, the Georgia tight end, is going to be a star. You know how good tight ends um, can matter in the NFL. Um, I do want success for Herbert. I also am well aware that, you know, there's not a, there's some anti Jim Harbaugh sentiment out there. The guy's a winner. And I think from a selfish standpoint, if you're a Duck fan, let me just let me just create the narrative for Washington and Oregon fans for them to nod and be happy with the Chargers hire. You would be happy with Michigan losing their head coach. Is that not a a double win for Oregon fans if Jim Harbaugh goes to the Chargers cuz you know Herbert gets Harbaugh and Michigan loses Harbaugh and all of a sudden you're an Oregon fan going, "Hey, this trip to the Big 10 just got a little bit easier." Stephen, am I right? No, 100% right on that one because here's the thing. Harbaugh is a good coach no matter what you think about him, and there's a lot of a lot of thoughts on him, whether he's you know, a cheater, not in what he's doing. He's a great coach, and he's proven it on every single level he's been on. I mean, think back going back when he coached at San Diego and then to Stanford. Like, he's coached on that level, and then he went to the NFL, got to the Super Bowl. Now he wins a national title. He's a great coach. So if you're Oregon and Washington, you would be rooting for Harbaugh to leave Michigan because Michigan is going to be good again next season. And you already know it's going to be a difficult path in the Big Ten. It's not going to be you know like the Pac-12 where it seems like you guys can get back to the Pac-12 title game. It's going to be tough in the Big Ten with Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and all those teams. So I'm with you, man. If uh, if I'm an Oregon or Washington fan, I'm rooting hard for Harbaugh to leave and go to the go to the Chargers. And then especially if you're an Oregon fan, you're a Herbert fan. Not only are you uh, getting rid of one of the best coaches in all the nation in college football. Now you're getting him with Justin Herbert, you know, maybe one of the most decorated players in Oregon history. So, yeah, I mean, root for that hard, I would say. There you go. That's how you're – there's your rooting interest if you're an Oregon fan. Uh, Oregon State fans, I got something for you in the next segment. Uh, I'm a little concerned about the move to the WCC with the basketball program, so kick that around. Plus, in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll talk Pac-12 football and basketball uh, with a reporter in Tempe, the Arizona State viewpoint. Um, as Arizona State is trying to get through this season. Did you catch Bobby Hurley last night? He was all fired up in the postgame after losing to UCLA. Blew a 15-point lead in the second half. Stars, I wish I could say how I really feel. Wish I could say how I could really feel right now. But I'm not going to do that. I am not going to say how I really feel. So I am just going to start out by saying when you look at the, at the stat sheet, proud of my team's uh, shooting percentages, uh, from three, from two, against a very good defensive team that's you know, starting to find itself. And uh, had six turnovers as opposed to, to their 11. And uh, that's all I'm going to say, really. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to talk about how I feel right now. So feel free to ask, ask me anything you want right now. We're pleased with the rebounding effort, especially with their side. I'm pleased with everything that happened on the basketball court besides the free throw line. No one wanted to explain anything to me. I had to ask to be to, to explain what happened. But I'm tired of the explanation, so I'm just not going to talk about it anymore. Bobby Hurley, talking about it without talking about it. We'll talk about that in the 5 o'clock hour. Leave it. <laughs>
We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.